0: Hey, it's Nikki back on Gut Plus Science Healthcare, our special subseries, and today we're equipping leaders with some new ideas on influence. I've got a guest with me today that has studied influence in healthcare for nearly two decades. His knowledge is rooted in data, so we're going to get some science-based insights on influence and talk about a model that makes a big splash on human connection in our workplace and just how much impact it has on the health of an organization and its people. Greg Matthews is with me today and will help us understand the patterns of connections and how that influences behaviors. It's pretty fascinating stuff. Greg is a regular public speaker, educator, fellow podcaster, and runs a practice called HealthQuant, where he studies behavior and patterns every day to help healthcare, well, get better. We're really excited to have him on the show today. Greg, so glad you're here. Let's start by having you share your definition of employee engagement. I spent the first 17
1: years of my career in in corporate human resources roles. And so I've had a lot of opportunity to think about engagement and what it means and what it looks like. And I've seen all different kinds of models. But for me, the way that I break it down is pretty simply. Number one, I think that engagement is about being a part of something larger than yourself. I spent a lot of time working at a health insurance company, And what was really interesting is that even though health insurance companies have a largely deserved negative reputation, I can tell you that working inside that health insurance company, every one of those employees actually believed that what they were doing was positively impacting people's health. And that was a tremendously noble thing. So being able to connect yourself to a higher ideal is a big part of engagement and being able to do things that you couldn't do on your own by being a part of a group of people focused on that. So I think that's one piece of it. But I think the other piece of employee engagement that's really important to consider is to be in a place that's going to allow you to be bigger than you could have been. So it's not just about having these longer prosthetic arms due to being a a part of a corporation. It's also being able to grow in ways that you wouldn't have been able to grow otherwise, to be able to really flourish. And I think most of us have a, a pretty good understanding that a corporation is not something that you can really engage with. It's the people inside the corporation. And so that's really where my work is focused today is trying to understand those things.
0: So let's talk about this term network science. That's your area of expertise. So to understand where this intersects or impacts with employee engagement and healthcare, can you define network science for us?
1: Network science is really all about understanding the ways that people connect to each other and the ways that ideas pass back and forth, the way that learning happens through individual human connections. And some of those things are, you know, soft and a little fuzzy and hard to measure. But in some ways, they can be pretty easy to measure. And what I do is I use network science to measure the numbers and the types and the weights and the outcomes of the connections that people have to each other.
0: When it comes to changing the everyday normal mindset of a leader to help them adopt the understanding of network science, especially how that intersects with the way you think about employee engagement from a macro perspective, how would you define how you influence that with leaders? My
1: first introduction to network science was when I was working at this large health insurance company and was working with one of the, one of the folks in HR who was able to take the email traffic for three or four different departments and map the individual connections in the from and the to in the emails. And he was able to build a visual map. Of the way that all these people are connected both inter and intra departmentally and it was a revelation to me because when you're a leader in an organization and you're thinking about your employees you're thinking about your people you often are thinking about it in terms of the way an org chart looks we've all seen org charts with one box at the top that's me And then four or five boxes below that, those are my direct reports. And then 20 or 50 or 100 different layers beneath those, that's my organization. And the truth of the matter is that organizations don't actually work that way. They work based on the way that people actually interact with each other. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to throw out your org chart and replace it with a social network diagram. But that social network diagram can help you to actually understand how your organization functions on a day-to-day basis. It can show you where there are traps and blocks in communication uh, and connection. It can show you where there are opportunities to enhance communication and connection between individuals, between departments. So as a leader, when I'm talking to leaders, my work isn't necessarily about employee engagement, But one of the things that I can help them do is to help them understand the different ways that their employees are connected with each other and the different ways that their employees are connected with external constituents. And in healthcare, that could mean patients, that could mean media organizations, that could mean external unaffiliated clinicians. And understanding those network connections can really open up opportunities to improve the way that your organization functions
0: let's take a little bit of a deeper dive into this social network mapping concept. How does someone get started in laying it out?
1: There are actually free tools to help you do this. This used to be a a pretty difficult than arcane art. It's gotten a lot easier. The easiest thing that you can do is to think about all the ways that you have to actually measure the connections and relationships that exist between people. That could be by looking at your scheduling system and seeing who's on the same shift at the same time. Uh, It could be looking at email traffic. It could be looking at participation in internal communication platforms. If you have internal blogs or an internal uh, messaging application to see who's talking to each other, it can even in some cases be a look at external applications. So one of the things that I've often done is to take internal corporate email traffic and then overlay that with external social media traffic and public social media channels like Twitter, for example, to see how people are connecting with each other. And so as a first step, it's really about thinking about what is the data that I could collect that I have access to that would uh, show me connections?
0: What are some of those tools and then which ones do you recommend?
1: On the enterprise level, Tableau is an excellent data visualization tool. That has a social network mapping function. The one that I've gravitated towards, partially because it uh, has a free version, is one that's called Kumu, K-U-M-U. You can find it uh, in the URL kumu.io. It is a free social network mapping tool and is ridiculously easy to use, but also very powerful, So that if you have any number of connections up into the hundreds of thousands between people, between organizations, you can upload that and see a visualization of all those connections. It's one of those things that, as I say, it can be a real revelation to be able to see who are the people in that network that are actually driving connection between organizations? Who are the people that are driving connection around certain topics? It's really, it's pretty fascinating.
0: So let's identify and talk key components of a rich social map that impacts change and serves as a guide or the word that's coming to mind is dashboard for leaders. Can you break down like those key components for us?
1: The way to think about this, especially in the context of a healthcare provider, a hospital or a health system, for example, is to think about number one, what are the connections that I can map, like the actual individual interactions that I can attribute to people? But another thing that can be really useful is to do some topical mapping. Many organizations, many hospitals are going to have an intranet of some kind where people can interact around topics, for example. And some of those are going to be directly related to the business. Some of them are going to be more oriented around hobbies. Is there a baseball forum on our intranet? Is there a scrapbooking forum on our intranet? Whatever it might be. Anything that we can do to help people connect based on shared interests is going to be valuable. And so the same kind of social network mapping visualization that we can do based on those individual relationships, we can actually also do based on shared interests. So even if two people have never met, but we know based on things that they've contributed through any of these communication channels that they share a common interest, we can actually facilitate the connection of those people. And so when you think about this from a professional perspective, you may find someone in a an individual contributor type role who actually is really interested in and passionate about the implementation of new communication technologies or is really interested in optimizing processes or workflows, being able to connect those people with other people who share those interests can be a great way to start engaging people beyond just their day-to-day role and doing something that they're truly passionate about that benefits the organization.
0: How does social mapping information equip leaders or managers of teams to strengthen relationships? And maybe you could share a couple of examples or just processes of what that may look like.
1: When an individual is engaged in an activity that they know is making a major contribution towards the goal of the organization, take us back to the beginning of this conversation. People want to feel connected to something that is bigger than themselves, right? They want to feel that they are contributing and growing inside something like that. And so when we're able to identify opportunities to leverage that individual's strengths to achieving a particular purpose it can be a really powerful thing. An example of that is in healthcare, some of the most important things that healthcare organizations have to do, that hospitals have to do, is they have to focus on making sure that they are optimizing referrals so that the right patients are coming to see them for the right things. They have to make sure that they are optimized in terms of recruiting the right talent to enable their organization to succeed. And recently, They've had to be very focused on how their reputation is perceived in the external world. Over the last couple of years, you're probably familiar with the U.S. News and World Report's best hospital rankings. Those have been around for a long time, but it's only in the last few years that any doctor could vote for the U.S. News uh, and World Report best hospital rankings as long as they had a Doximity account. And so, all of a sudden, reputation has begun to be this huge issue for hospitals and making sure that unaffiliated physicians are aware of the strengths of their organization and have the potential to vote for them in the best hospital rankings. And I, this is getting very specific, I know. But let me come back to what this means for engagement. One of the ways that hospitals are doing that, trying to get that message out to these unaffiliated clinicians so that their reputation can be you know, enhanced in the bigger world is they are leveraging the networks of their affiliated clinicians. So in other other words, they are looking at the doctors and nurses and other professionals inside their organization. They're looking at who are the doctors, nurses, and others outside their organization that they're connected to and being able to focus the energy of those internal clinicians in reaching external clinicians with messaging about their organization. And in doing that, they're doing two things. Number one, they're presenting information to an external audience that's more likely to be interested because it's coming from a personal connection of theirs. And the second thing they're doing is they're engaging those internal clinicians much more deeply because they're involving them in a key part of the success of the organization.
0: I've worked in the world of relationship building since my early 20s. I am wired that way. It's very simple for me. But for many people, when I talk this kind of language, they're like, how do you do that? That's what I want you to break down is when we look to, depending on unaffiliated clinicians for these referrals and in the recruitment and this reputation that you're talking about, how do you start to shift people to understand how to grasp this or what's that mental shift that they have to make? to understand how to do it?
1: Honestly, in some ways, it can be easier than you might suspect because there are all kinds of different ways that employees can be involved in this. And I'm, I'm going to define what I mean by involved. So as we think about engaging employees and connecting with these others outside their organization, one of the things that I do with organizations is I help them to actually map those connections at an organization-wide level. I'm going to give you a specific example. There's a hospital system uh, in the Southeast U.S. It's a large hospital system. I was able to take a look at all of their doctors and look at their publication history, so publication of research, and their social media connections, their past referral patterns, where they did their training in residency, for example. and By taking those few simple ways that we know that doctors connect to each other, I was able to create a map that showed me exactly where in the world and in the U.S. those doctors had the deepest connections. And as you're thinking about impacting things like referrals, recruitment, and reputation, the geographic region is important. So since this health system was in the Southeast region, I focused on the states in the Southeast region, and was able to say, all right, the states where your clinicians have the deepest connection are Georgia and Florida. Here are the specialties within those states that where you have the deepest connections with those physicians. And what we're able to do then is to say, all right, let's say that one of those specialties is nephrology and that coincides with a a specialty that that we want to emphasize, we can then start to create content that features the doctors in our organization, in the nephrology team, that is going to then be shared externally. And so that doctor doesn't necessarily have to adopt social networking behavior on their own. They don't have to necessarily be responsible for emailing their colleagues to say, hey, here are some cool things that our hospital is doing. The hospital can simply feature them in their content. And almost every employee loves to have the kind of recognition from the organization that says, hey, we love what you're doing and we want to feature it as the, as a way of talking about the great things our organization is doing externally. It doesn't necessarily have to be the individual that is promoting their organization. But the organization promoting the individual can have the same effect.
0: Can you share a healthcare system that gets and lives out a strong network science or social network strategy? What does that impact look like on their success?
1: Forgive me for being obvious, but the organization that I think has invested the, the most heavily in this concept is the Mayo Clinic. And it's not a terribly surprising thing. But the Mayo Clinic was actually the first hospital to create what they called a social media residency. And what that means is that any clinician inside the Mayo Clinic can go through a significant amount of training in how to use social media, not necessarily as a platform for promoting the institution, but as a platform for connection both with their peers at the Mayo Clinic, but also externally. And so they've done literally hundreds of these social media residencies inside their organization in Rochester, in Arizona, and in Florida. But about seven or eight years ago, they actually opened that up to any hospitals. So they now have a social media network that has at the last time I saw over 350 member organizations whose clinicians and whose staff can go through this residency program that's all focused on how do you connect with others. And I think I'm not going to say that's responsible for the Mayo Clinic's stellar reputation. Obviously, it's not. The Mayo Clinic had a stellar reputation long before they started doing social media residencies. But I do think that it has seeded their impact so broadly across the country and across the world, that there are very few clinicians that haven't had some kind of a connection with the Mayo Clinic as a result of this, being connected through their colleagues who are either at the Mayo Clinic or have been through one of these programs. It, it's just made an enormous impact in terms of the way that they're perceived. And as, as a result, I think it's really improved their ability to influence healthcare policy, to influence practice guidelines, to be a source of health information for both patients and clinicians, I, I think it's just had a tremendous impact on the way that they do business.
0: Very good. Thanks for that. Before we transition into our lightning round to learn a little bit more about you, Greg, can you give our healthcare leader listeners an understanding of the work you do in case you guys need to connect?
1: The way that I interact with hospitals and health systems is really, it's, it is based around that idea of optimizing your referrals, recruitment, and reputation. And the way that I do that is pretty simple. I'm going to take your directory of clinicians and I'm going to map their connections on multiple different levels. Again, that could include referrals. It could include a history of training programs, could include research and publication efforts, could include social media connections. I'm going to map all those for you so that we can then take the Social network diagram that connects your clinicians to the world of clinicians so that you can then begin to prioritize. All right, these are the department areas where I want to focus because we have these deep connections. These are the geographic areas where we want to focus our, our sort of our marketing and awareness and our communications campaigns. This is where we want to focus our recruitment efforts because the idea is. You want to use those scarce dollars that you can spend on reaching external clinicians on clinicians who are more likely to want to listen. And the ones who are more likely to want to listen are the ones who are already have a connection to your organization through your own base of clinicians. So I help them to prioritize their communications, their marketing, their recruitment efforts, all those kinds of things
0: awesome stuff, Greg. Great work that you're doing. This was definitely our most niche topic on the healthcare sub series so far. Is that good or bad? That's great. <laughs> Let's take a quick break here from our sponsor message today and we'll be right back. So in our efforts to launch this healthcare sub series on gut plus science, my why is Wombi. WAMBI specializes in serving the industry that needs the most support, love, and gratitude, and that's healthcare. Together with Wombi, we will be building a community of people-first healthcare leaders and influencers to make a big positive impact on patient satisfaction and overall experience of patients and families, and also engagement of the very valuable healthcare workers in this world. So visit Wombi.org to learn more and hit me up. If you want to talk about the cool partnerships we're working on at Wombi. Nikki and I KKI at WAMBI, dot org. It'll be in the show notes too. And I am so grateful to be part of this team and part of this movement. Many cool things to come. All right. We're back on Gut Plus Science with Greg Matthews. And now we do what we do on every show, which is the lightning round. It allows us to get to know you just a little bit better. So the first question is sometimes hard because I ask for your favorite book of all time. And if you can't do that, a favorite recent read.
1: <laughs> Actually, it's that's not a hard one for me. I love books that actually stretch my brain and change the way I think about the world, the way I perceive the world. And the, the one book that I think probably did that more than any other for me was a book called Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. It was written at the beginning of the internet age and was really incredible in terms of seeing into the future. And so that's one that's always been at the top of my list.
0: How about a favorite vacation spot?
1: I had an opportunity when I was at university a million years ago uh, to study in Vienna, Austria. And ever since then, Vienna has been a favorite destination for me.
0: What's a favorite hobby when you're not working?
1: I love baseball. Uh, And so going to baseball games, playing fantasy baseball, reading about baseball, I like to, to eat, sleep, and breathe it.
0: And Greg, how can our listeners connect with you after the show?
1: I think the Easiest way to do that is uh, probably on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Moose C-H-I-M-O-O-S-E. Uh, and for those who are interested, I'll tell you the story offline behind that handle. But you can also visit my website, which is healthquant.health.
0: And here's my truth you can act on, or three thought-provoking takeaways from Greg Matthews. Number one, engagement is about being part of something larger than yourself. Greg says, being able to do things that you couldn't do on your own by being part of a a larger group. Number two, the connections your organization requires to function, don't follow your org chart. So he said, it can show you where there are opportunities to enhance communication and connection between individuals and between departments. And number three, promote the work of individuals on an organizational level. And he says, almost every employee loves to have the kind of recognition from an organization that says, hey, we love what you're doing and we want to feature it as a way of talking about the great things our organization is doing externally. Thanks so much, Greg, for a great packed episode. Guys, check out the show notes Show notes, and we'll see you next time.